You are listening to Hero Discussion. You know, there comes a time in everybody's life, I think, where you make the transition from saying that from saying that sparkling water tastes like a can of TV static to saying, you know, this is, this is some great stuff. It's a great replacement for soda. It doesn't have any sugar. And hey, you know what? I'm okay with that. Because what I'm really addicted to is the carbonation. I seem to have made that transition in the last year because I used to trash LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever you want to call it. Now, I mean, except for the weirder flavors, because their issue for me is they have some weirdo flavors that just are just too much and they don't make any sense. And they're gross. Like they have this one called Beach Plum that's just disgusting. I'm sorry, not sorry, it's gross, but, uh, you know, give me like a lemon lime, a grapefruit, cherry, you know, something of that nature, and, uh, you know, I'm good to go. Anyways, uh, welcome to episode 33, 33 of... Zero Distortion, my show that I almost forgot the name of. So, yeah, it's been, obviously, as you can tell by the fact that this episode is coming out not on a Friday, things have been a little, a little bumpy. Um, thanks for the condolences. Thank you for the support. It's, it's been, it's been a tough, couple of weeks here in the past couple of weeks we're we're trying to you know kind of move forward and keep going and process everything but it's it just never it's it's something that never gets easy i mean i about 7 years ago was I consider it to be one of the worst years of my life. I don't think anyone could disagree. Uh, you know, I started working at FedEx in January, and then, you know, I kind of started to, I, I kind of thought to myself, hmm, I've got a job again. It's been like a year and a half since I've had my own income, and it's, pretty disposable i could i could drink i could buy something for myself to drink as opposed to drinking what other people have and you know what i could drink it by myself hmm what a concept and i i yeah i started to kind of experiment with just you know trying to find what i enjoy i landed on fireball i tried like other different whiskeys and well first I tried Captain Morgan never again I hate spice drum hate it um and then I tried 
I think I went with Bacardi for a second, and then I went and tried Fireball on the recommendation of a, a former friend. And, man, yeah. Uh, I, I got, I got hooked on the stuff. I love it. It's great, but it'll get you into trouble. And so I got to where, you know, I was kind of drinking on my own. And then, you know, I hung out with my, but with my buddies for the first time in a while. And then when my homeboys, my best friends, since I was like, 11 years old, got into a car wreck, and he he didn't make it out of the hospital. I mean, his surgery was successful and everything, but the problem was he was gonna, he wasn't gonna be ever the same or back to where he was before, and his family decided that it was, you know, probably better to, you know, pull the cord, and, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that day when I found out, because it wasn't real until, you know, you get to the, the, you get to the memorial, you get to the wake, and it's like, okay, this is, this is real, this is real, I'm seeing them here, and they're, they're here, so it's, it's a done deal, and it's always tough, it never gets easier, um, so that, that took place, and then that was in April. He passed like five days before his birthday. I remember finding out a couple years ago. I was uh, I found out that WrestleMania 30 that year was on that day. I had kind of stopped watching. That was the first Mania I hadn't seen since 18 because I started watching I missed 18 because I asked my mom to buy a like a tight a small pay-per-view and then she was like well I'm not buying you Wrestlemania because I just spent $45 on another one so you know maybe next time think about it first (laughs) lesson learned never buy anything ever except for Wrestlemania which is what we did for the next years we bought nine me and my cousin watched 19 up to 29 and then 30 was the first one where i was like really i had been out of the loop for a few years but this was the one where i was like yeah i'm I'm just like nah i'm I'm done with it i don't care about wrestling right now and yeah that that it's it's kind of I, i wouldn't say happenstance it's kind of just like a coincidence that that was the day that it happened then, it's like a month later, my grandfather passed away. He was, he was pretty sick. He, he had dementia and stuff and he wasn't, he wasn't doing the best. And that, that one was kind of like, I could, I could kind of, I could kind of get through that one just knowing that he was in a better place. That one was easier for me to compartmentalize and be like, you know, look, he's, he's not suffering anymore. And that, that one was okay. And then, um, December of that same year, like right before, like less than a week before Christmas, my, my other best friend, much shorter time, but like we grew a pretty, pretty good bond. He, he was shot 
like while while I was there, they had to chopper him out and everything. And there was a lot of questioning, and by the end of the night, he did not make it out of the hospital either. And uh, yeah, that was that that was that that was that was my year. That was a very tough year. That was around the time, like between my first my be- between my two best friends passing. Like between them in time, between their passings in time that year, I had picked up on the drinking hard, like much harder. Not to this point of like an alcoholic, like I'm coming into work loaded or anything. It was like, I don't know. It's like I was trying to play the long game. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. So I want to, you know, just you know, just just basically drink myself to death over a slow amount of time or slow period uh, at a slow pace over a lengthy period of time and just, just keep doing it until it doesn't work anymore. And, you know. But luckily things turned around in the next year. Which is uh which is when I rediscovered my husband and yeah, that's when, that's when things started to turn around and slowly but surely, uh, here we are. I've come around quite a, quite a good ways, but long story short, 10 minutes into this thing, very somber notes. Death is, uh, it is a thing and you can always make it through. You can always make it through. It's never, if you feel helpless and you feel like it's too late, it's never too late. It really is. It never is. It may feel like it to you, but with a fresh set of eyes on your situation, I'm sure somebody else will tell you that it's not at all too late. So, you know, just take care of your people. Take care of your people while you got them. Okay, now that we've done all of that kind of exposition and, you know, stuff, and the cute little icebreaker for um uh, all of my, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's like a 30s thing, like, I, I like, I, I, found my, I find myself enjoying things that I never thought I would like, or just feeling better about certain things, it's weird, it's all weird. Today, this this today's slot or this week's slot was kind of up in the air for a minute because on the episode I said, yeah, I think I'm going to do the consumed self instead of wallflowers because I haven't listened to wallflowers. I've listened to wallflowers now and it's really good. And, you know, I kind of I said, nah, I I literally vocally committed to it. The only place where it says that where wallflowers is supposed to happen is in the actual schedule in my calendar. And that doesn't matter, because you guys can't see that. What you guys can see, or rather hear, is the fact that I said, next week I think we're going to cover the consumed self. That's, that's to me, that's a commitment. To say, I think I'm going to do this, as opposed to saying, you know, I'm not sure yet. It might be this, it might be that. That would have That would have been a little bit more up in the air, but 
I decided to sit back down with this, and yeah, this is a little bit. It's, it's yeah, it's it's great. It's 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 still great. I I I think I still put it in a year end like top ten list. I'm probably gonna do that like last week of the year or close to the last week of the year. I'm gonna probably pull out like a I don't know like my top five albums and you know top five albums uh and i don't know i don't know i'm gonna have to think of some kind of format with that i don't know i just kind of want to let that percolate because i mean you know we've got some months has anything happened since the last episode it's been it's still been about a week since the last one um i can't think of Mastodon, I tweeted about Mastodon, like, they shared over Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram some, like, little puzzle pieces of what seemed to be an album cover. It's sinister. It is sinister. And, lo and behold, October 29th, we've got, what is it, um, I gotta look at this thing, I gotta look back at this thing, because I can't remember, it's, uh, Oh my lord. Goodness gracious. Hush and Grim. It's a different kind of title for Mastodon, I would say. A little bit of a different feel from the title I get. I mean, I don't know. Emperor of Sand. I mean, okay. The Hunter feels different. When you think of Mastodon, Crack the Sky felt different at the time, too. Because, like, it's like Remission. Blood Mountain, Leviathan, and then you got Crack the Sky. It felt a little different. Then the Hunter was like, hmm, that's real different. And once more around the sun, that was kind of like, oh, that's, that's bizarre. <laughs> and then you got Emperor of Sand, which is like, okay, that's a little bit, that's more in line with what I'm thinking. But man, I'll tell you, the Pushing the Tides, the single that they released, man, I'm going to tell you something. This is one of, this is, this is one of the best sounding things they've done in years. Now, I'm not one of those, you know, I'm not going to say Mastodon haters. I'm going to say, like, there's a good bit of people that, after Mastodon got out of, like, their super prog phase, like, they had their really heavy, progressive, sludgy phase with the with Remission and Leviathan. And then they had, like, a clean a pretty good transition from that with Blood Mountain into like just the wild crazy weirdness that is Crack the Sky. And then the Hunter, it doesn't throw that away. It just now I've only listened to the Hunter like once and it's it's like Mastodon going mainstream. Like they got huge with Crack the Sky, but this is where they said, okay, let's try and make some stuff that can really get out there, really get, really create some earworms that can get stuck in people's head. And then you get stuff like Curl of the Burl. I mean, and then, you know, uh, the Mother Load, High Road, um, Show Yourself. I mean, you get all these like crazy hooks and stuff. And, I appreciate it because to me, Mastodon is just 
changing and doing something different. Now, it's not like Opeth. Opeth wasn't trying to get more mainstream. They were literally, Michael was literally like, I don't care about death metal. I don't care for the death metal scene right now. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to do something else. And so Opeth turned into like a progressive rock, progressive metal band. Cool. It works. With Mastodon, it's all, it's, uh, it feels a little bit more commercialized, which isn't the worst thing. It's different, but I still appreciate it because to me, the music has still been pretty great. The, the content hasn't been as consistently incredible. I mean, obviously, I've only listened to The Hunter once. I, I love Once More Around the Sun. I really do. I mean, you can fight me over it. I mean, some of the songs aren't that great. I don't feel like they're that mediocre either. And Emperor of Sand is one of those albums like they're touching all parts of their previous discography. And it's, it's great. I love the sound of Emperor of Sand. But Hushed and man, I just, what did I just say? Hushed and Grim. Gee whiz, I can't remember a thing. Hushed and Grim is coming, I think, October 29th. 15 tracks. Hello. Okay. And somebody had, like, track lengths. I don't know where people get those. Apparently iTunes. I don't know. iTunes can do that, but this didn't look like iTunes. And, man, like, these things are long. They're all, like, five minutes long. What's going on? This is going to be wild. The rest of this year is just, it's going to be nuts. I mean, Others by No One, Dream Theater, uh, let's see, not next week. Is it this Friday? Oh, man, this Friday we get new Spirit Box. Next Friday we get new, um, new Rivers of Nile and Sleep Token. Oh, man. And then new 12 Foot Ninja. That's next month, I think. That's a next month thing. So new 12 Foot Ninja, new Dream Theater, new Others by No One, and new Mastodon next month. I don't even know what's happening in December. Hopefully nothing. Because if nothing happens in December, I can do some year-end stuff. I can, I can try to like look back and find some stuff to get into. But, oh man. This, this year is nuts. Like, 2019 was nuts. 2021 is wild. 2021 is a wild year in music. Metal music, at least. And then, I mean, you still got some other stuff coming, like Obscura has an album coming out, and it sounds like it's going to be a banger. I haven't really ever gotten into Obscura. Now, I'm wondering when the next Alkaloid album is coming out, because Alkaloid is up my alley. Obscura, they kind of trend, they're kind of that realm of progressive and technical death metal. They trend a little bit. They do some progressive stuff, but they trend a little bit more on the technical side of things. Kind of like the band we're talking about today, but like, they, I've never really been able to get into their brand of playing. Like, beyond creation, I've never really been able to get into them that much either, but like, Alkaloid, Alkaloid is weird. They're technical, but like, it's not a nonstop assault of just, you know, the 
technical guitar playing. It's They've got, like, a bunch of really weird stuff, clean vocals, really odd clean vocals, and just a lot of stuff going on. And a 20-minute closing track about cephalopods. I mean, come on. What, what, what more is there that you can possibly ask for? I don't think there's much. So speaking of next week and New Rivers of Nile from Philadelphia, I think, from Pennsylvania. They're from Pennsylvania somewhere over there. Burial in the Sky from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, released The Consumed Self a few months ago, I believe. It might have been last, no, it was July. It was late July. I think it was like the last week of July they released that album. And I remember I had, wait, 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 no, 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 no. No, it was the same, it was the same day that, and I returned to nothingness and Colossum came out. That's the same day that those came out. That might actually be late July. I can't remember. I, no, it's August 13th. There it is, August 13th. Okay. Cause it was a week before Colors 2. And when Colors 2 came out, I was just like, I have no time for anything else. I have to, like, absorb this album and try to, like, have something, <laughs> something to say about it that isn't just holy crap, holy crap. I mean, yeah. So, the, with, well, Colostum was kind of probably like the the redheaded stepchild, definitely of that week. Because I mean, the consumed self was like I've already heard it a couple of times by that point, and so, man, this is really good stuff. And then, uh, but then, uh, and I returned to nothing. This came out, and it was like, oh, I can't, I can't listen to anything but this. This is so good. I'm just gonna soak this up and enjoy this this EP. Until I can't enjoy it anymore. And the consumed self kind of fell by the wayside still. But I was still sprinkling it in into my, you know, daily listens at work, you know, trying to keep it fresh on my mind. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's real, it's really good. It's really good. So, um, little disclosure. I'm not very familiar with Burial in the Sky. I know. I mean, I know that they're kind of like a, I know that they're a progressive kind of technical death metal band that kind of plays like a, kind of a, it's, it's, it's technical death metal. Like, don't get that twisted, but they throw in a lot of like jazzier elements. Their bassist, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Zach Strauss. He is also a saxophone player. Saxophonist? I don't know if that's a thing. But he plays saxophone in this band. He's also done, he also did the saxophone for Rivers of Nile on their last album. And apparently, even though they said they didn't want to keep that gimmick going, when it's not really a gimmick to me, it's like something that it's, it's a nuance, it's a nuance of their sound. It's part of their sound to me, but they're, keeping it on uh the work which i i'm i don't know i need to go back and listen to the singles and try to get like super duper hype because next week is when it comes out and i need to be need to be hype so i'm not that 
familiar with their with their material, honestly. I mean, I just might as well come out and say that because, I mean, I don't want to try and put on airs and pretend like, oh, yeah, I know these bands. I mean, some of them I'm not familiar with at all. Like, I'm, I don't know anything about these guys. I just know that they've they've had kind of a certain sound and a certain way of doing things. And from the little bit that I've heard of them before the consumed self, I mean, this is this is just a straight up huge step of progression in an incredible direction. And if they keep pushing in this direction, these guys are going to be all timers. These guys are going to be in- incredible. They're already really great. They're already fantastic. But if they keep pushing in the direction they're going, they're gonna they're gonna be unbelievable. As time goes on. So, okay. Let's see. Who are these guys? Let's figure out who these guys are. So, we've got James Tomidi, Tomedi, uh, who has played drums since 2013. He does guitars, lead guitars, bass keyboards, mandolin, mbira, I don't know. I don't, I've never tried to pronounce that out loud. Mbira. M-B-I-R-A. It's some kind of percussion instrument, I believe. He's done that since 2013. And he is previously from Ascane and Odium Complex. I've never heard of any of these former bands. Like, none of them. We got Sam Stewart also on drums. Curious. I guess, I don't know. They might have, like, I don't know. I don't know. They probably have, like, this guy's probably, yeah, that's what's going on. This guy is the, like, lead guitarist. He does lead, bass, keyboards, mandolin, mbira, and he also does some drums. But then Sam Stewart is the actual drummer. And he also plays piano from 2016 on. And he's formerly of Burn the Empire. Also, a form, formerly of Burn the Empire, Zach Strauss, bass and saxophone player for this band, 2018 to present. Brad Hedinger, guitars since 2019, so he's, we're, I mean, obviously they're kind of in order of, you know, who's most recent. He is also in Levitated and formerly in Dismal. I've heard of Dismal. I don't. I don't am not familiar with their work, but I know of them. And funny story, Joral Hart vocals twenty nineteen to present. So they've got a new vocalist on this album. I didn't know. I didn't know that. But as you can see, things have been a little, uh, little hectic and a little rushed. So some of my note taking is like a little bit out of order. Like I've looked into some. Like, I've copied stuff down, but I haven't looked into it to understand it. So, like, I've had this little list of the members on my notes forever, but, like, I don't, I I didn't look into it like, hmm, that's interesting. So, this is, like, the first time I'm actually going through it. That seems to happen a lot, though. So, we can't blame it on uh, the current circumstances. So, this guy is also in a band called Void of Nihility, spelled O-V of, like the, you know, the cult way of spelling it. 
He's formerly of Cognitive, Wormhole, Live, Disinhume, and Due for Extinction. So, there you go. Those are your guys. That's your team on this album. So, I know this is a concept album, but when when I'm trying to review something... I probably stated this before. I'm going to state it again. I'm probably going to state it again after this at some point. But when I'm just reviewing, I just want to like quality wise, just do a quality check of the music. And if I really pick up on lyrics, then try to, you know, try to get into some lyrics. Nothing too crazy. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really trying to get into the story of this thing, but it's told very well, I will say, through the music and through just all the stuff going on in the album. Music, vocals, like everything seems to just push forward a story of what that story is of and about. I'm not totally sure, but it's it's good stuff. If I wanted to get into stuff like that, I would need to like find the time to do a an analysis kind of like I've done in the past and I don't know I'm I'm thinking about the the one that shall not be named because I keep saying I'm gonna do it and it's already written and it's done and there's a EP tied to it that I also did an analysis of I've kind of toyed with the idea of redoing that in a different way like a little bit less of an intensive way and more about the story and might trim the fat a little bit. I'm not sure. And then having that accompany the bigger full album analysis. I don't know. I don't know. That's all stuff that is neither here nor there. So yeah, my first impression of this album is it's really great. Like it's really good. After time, I kind of obviously started seeing, you know, some of the stuff that I was and wasn't a fan of, you know, nothing too big. It's not a bad album. There's no real, like, bad parts to it. It's just, you know, I, when it comes to progressive death metal, I like my progressive death metal to be progressive. I like it to be a little weird. Like, I like my opeths with their long songs and the folk and the breaks of acoustic guitars between just sheer, utter madness in Bedlam. And, you know, obviously not every band out there is going to be Opeth. A lot of bands have tried to be Opeth, and a lot of bands have emulated that sound to varying degrees of success. But when when I look for progressive death metal, Here's the thing. Some people would say technical progressive, you're splitting hairs. I say different. For me, when I say technical death metal, I mean things like Nile, like fast technical playing, as opposed to like progressive death metal. I think of like an Opeth or, you know, earlier between the Buried and Me, where there's, uh, there's, it's progressive rock mixed with death metal. It's, Odd time signatures and um, strange instrumentation, extended compositions, things like that, that would make something lean on the side of progressive. 
Whereas technical death metal, I mean, sometimes they get into longer songs, but I feel like technical death metal doesn't reach me as well as like a progressive band. Like I said, Obscura has never really hit me like Alkaloid has. And they, well, Alkaloid at least has uh, Hans Grossman, right? It's one other guy, I can't remember his name, but yeah, I, I think it shares some members with uh, Obscura. And then Rivers of Nile. Rivers of Nile, they're pretty technical. They get into it a little bit. It's not a lot of people who said, you know, it's they're kind of run of the mill. And it's like, I don't know about that. Like, they they have something to them. They have something to them that I feel could, like, push death metal to the stratosphere and get it really out there. Because where owls know my name, it sounds like commercial death metal. It sounds like death metal that the masses could get into. It's almost like, I mean, and I return to nothingness is almost like a deathcore album that, you know, no, like normal people <laughs> that no, the non-initiated could get into. Or even Colostum. Colostum would be good for that. It could get them into it. And I mean, stuff like, you know, Loathe's album uh, that came out, I think it was last year. Uh, I let it in and it took everything. That could introduce people because... It's super stupid, crazy heavy, but it all, but like they also take huge cues from the Deftones. So it's got that airy, wispy, that death, that Deftone sound. And you know, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy when bands push the envelope in a way that could, you know, get more ears listening. I, I always love that. But. Yeah, I, I, I've always seen a difference between progressive and technical death metal. This album, it trends more towards technical, but it has a lot of like really progressive moments and textures and just segments. Like, like good bits of it feel more progressive than technical. And honestly, the technical parts are great. They just don't hook me as much. I mean, when it's weird technical, like between the buried and me, or like a car bomb, like car bomb, it's almost like they're just throwing random sounds at you, but somehow they're working. Between the buried and me is just like meticulously, it's their older stuff in particular. The wrists were just meticulously calculated and just, they, everything is to a T perfect and in the right place, exactly where it's supposed to be. And it's like they'd be, it would be like seven, eight, and then four, four, and then six, four, and then thirteen, eight, and then back to the seven, four, and then back to four, four. It's just wild. Just switching, switching, switching. Just all over the place. Okay. Without further ado, let's, let's go. Let's look at this thing. So we start off with the soft violet light. It starts off, it's really like a Pink Floyd kind of vibe. It's, uh, it's mellow and trippy with these clean guitars and vocals, and it makes for a really great start. It's a great first impression for the album. If, I'll tell you, if you happen to stumble, stumble on this album without knowing anything about it prior, if you don't have an inkling by looking at the cover, 
that this is a metal man and one of the heavier ones. I mean, just looking at their logo, it's a death metal logo. If you look at if you look at that and you can't glean that it's a death metal band, you're in for a surprise when this song ends. I mean, you would definitely be taken aback by what follows because there's there's no there's no way. The next song, "An Orphan City." pulls literally no punches. There's no way to get straight to it. This is one of the many singles. It might have been the first. I can't remember. There's four singles that came off this album. Stop it. Don't release like so many songs. Now granted they did leave they did leave some really great um material for the rest of the album. It's one of those things like if you release the songs that aren't like the best that's actually pretty, that actually works out pretty dope. It's like with Aphelion, like I talked about, uh, last time with Lepris. They put out Running Low and The Silent Revelation. Good songs, but, I mean, they get blown away by On Hold, uh, Out of Here, Shadow Side, uh, Castaway Angels, and, yeah, okay, the third single, the day of release single, uh, Nighttime Disguise. And yeah, that's the point. They get blown away by him. This album is a little bit, it's, a, it's kind of the reverse. Like the singles, uh, yeah, the singles are kind of like the best parts of the album. The rest of it, it's not like I could take it or leave it. I definitely enjoy, there's, great bits of this album that I really enjoy other than the singles. It's a good couple there's a good couple of songs that I really enjoy and I I I could see myself going back and listening to them just just without the rest of the album, without the context of the rest of the album. I mean I did that. I I listened to An Orphan City and On Wings of Providence a sh a bunch. I listened to them a whole bunch before this album came out. Before they put out the uh before they opened up the stream and then released the album later on in the week or the next week. And then about midway you finally get some of that smooth jazz saxophone and oh my goodness. It it, it It'll blow your mind. It's so good. I love when bands can just like almost switch the brutality off and then switch it back on. Because I mean, it's like you have these heavy, heavy, heavy riffs and then it kind of ends on a chord and fades out and then you get this smooth solo over just like drums and bass and it's so nice, so emotive and dare I say sexy. And that goes right into like this heavy, floaty kind of dreamy riff, and it's so um it the whiplash, the whiplash could be astounding if you've never listened to this kind of music before. I love this stuff, so I, I I'm just happy to hear it. And I mean, it, the song carries on; it ends somewhat abruptly. It really does. It's a pretty straightforward and fast song that really doesn't 
it really doesn't overstay its welcome. So next we move on to uh, On Wings of Providence. This is another single. I think this was... Yeah, this was the last single they released. I do remember that because I remember there were three and then all of a sudden On Wings of Providence was out and I was like, I have to listen to this. And I was like, dang, this is maybe better than any of the other singles. So, this one's pretty furious and punishing immediately, and I mean overall, really. It has one of the few actual hooks in the album, with the great clean vocals. They're kind of unorthodox, and I don't know. It's almost like a, I don't know how to describe it, like maybe a little bit of a nasally kind of quality. I almost said whiny, but whiny is not the term here. I think it's more of like a nasally kind of feel to the vo- to the clean vocals. Just, uh, I feel like some people could probably see them as, you know, I could take or leave the cleans, but man, I those cleans, I love it when a band has like some kind of they've got some kind of quirk to their clean vocals. Like, Black Crown Initiate. Their their clean vocals are a little left of center, and that to me make that to me makes them even cooler. I love I love Black Crown Initiate. I mean, we did uh, I did uh, their last album on the show. Probably did a very poor job of reviewing it, but you know, let's let's move on and you know do better. Um. And the he- don't don't get it twisted. The heavy vocals are very well done as well throughout the album. They really are. Um, it's just that those clean vocals really strike me because the the heavy vocals it's like they don't do anything that I haven't heard before. Particularly, they do it well. They just ha- they just don't bring anything new. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm saying they're good, just the clean vocals leave a lot more room to, you know, stretch the imagination. And there's a pretty good balance between technical and progressive death metal here. Like I said, it leans more towards technical, so, you know, you kind of have to kind of follow the riffs and follow what's going on, but... It still comes off as prog to me. And some are probably going to disagree with that. I really... It it comes... I don't know why it comes off as prog. There are like some great sections of the album that come across as prog. There's a few time signature changes. But like... Sometimes I don't know what makes something progressive. It just is. Sometimes it's just a feel. Just a sound. Like... I feel like all technical death metal is kind of progressive anyways, but not all progressive death metal is technical. I mean, Opeth, to me, is not overly technical. They're not really all that technical. They, mm, I mean, they do some crazy stuff, but when I think technical, I think, like, guitar wizardry. I think of, animal, like, Animals as Leaders. Animals as Leaders. Animals as Leaders put out a single, Monomyth. And see, I don't think there's been like an album announcement for them or anything, but it's like, oh man, give it to me, give it to me now, give it to me tomorrow. Just, just make it happen. 
if they gave me animals as leaders, like if animals as leaders dropped just like a surprise album out of nowhere tomorrow, this episode's supposed to come out tomorrow. It's it's gonna come out tomorrow. It should. Uh, presumably, I'm going to finish, edit, and then upload this album immediately. So, and this episode's probably going to be a little bit shorter because less tangents, le- uh, le- well, less of a connection to the band means less tangents, less of a, less of, um, less of a chance to, you know, kind of hop around and spend like, you know, an hour and 45 minutes going over something that could easily take much less time. Now, I like the longer episodes. I don't know how you guys feel, you know. Let me know in the uh, Twitter sphere how we're liking the long episodes because the last two were over two hours long and that was not my intent, but I had a lot to say about those albums and a lot to say about other stuff too. So the outro section is very fun and kind of a little bouncy and it, it kind of tricks you into thinking it's done when it's still going on and it's not. I, I, I like I like the kind of the kind of riffs like Overkill by Motorhead where, you know, I remember playing on Guitar Hero World Tour and every time I hit that big chord and heard the cymbals, I was like, Oh, thank God, this stupid song is over and then that duka 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 came back and I was like, Oh God, does it ever end? That happened like three or four times and I was just like, Man, this song just goes on forever. It just never ends. Lenny Kilmeister wrote the song that never ends, people. That's when that happened. Thank him. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Ugh. So, okay. Back on track. Next track is Amorosis Cloud. Let's see. Amorosis Fugox. Greek amorosis meaning darkening, dark or obscure, Latin fugax, fugax, I don't know, meaning fleeting, is a painless temporary loss of vision in one or both eyes. That's interesting. So that was just a little bit of unprofessional real-time Googling because I, of course, with everything going on, I, I didn't think about it. I looked at, I looked directly at this and I went, Hmm, I don't know that word, and just went on about my day, just without even thinking about, you know, Googling it and trying to figure it out and be like, hey, this is what this means. Well, that that's that's what amorosis means. That's kind of what it means, like a temporary loss of vision. So I'm guessing amorosis shroud is a some kind of, you know, some kind of entity that causes that to happen to people who pass through it. I don't know. I don't completely understand the story. I have not looked at the lyrics yet. The only lyrics I understand are some of the clean lyrics. Anywho. So, it starts off sounding kind of like some uh, like some 90s progressive death metal. I don't want to say like death or like particular bands, but it has that feel with like the clean guitars and sax and then it gets and then it's it heavy and it and it gets pretty bouncy and lively early on too it's a pretty it's a pretty like up tempo song 
and then halfway in you get a you get a solo. It kind of reminds me of a Beyond Creation song. I can't remember and haven't been able to find since. I think it's from the Aura, if I remember correctly. I remember I was kind of checking them out a little bit when the algorithm or when algorithm came out their last album. I listened to algorithm and it's it's brilliant. I just never was able to really get into them. And there was, you know, it might be, what's that fast song that doesn't fit in with anything else around it on uh, Malchus Grimoire, I think, um, Alter Magnitudes? It could be Alter Magnitudes. I don't think it's Alter Magnitudes. If I remember correctly, what the song I'm thinking of, I all I can think of is that green cover with spires and stuff, and that's the aura. So, yeah. I don't know. Now, the song's pretty quick. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It ends in a pretty energetic riff and then some clean chords. It's, 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 it's good. It's good. I mean, I'm not like the biggest fan of this song, but, you know, I'm never going to tell you it's a bad song. So then we get Wayfair, a nice little instrumental. It starts with piano and clean guitar. Of course, it's got an awesome solo at the center of it. And an awesome bit of saxophone close to the end. It's, there's not a whole lot to get into with that. I mean, it's, it ends on a spacey note and it's a really good little instrumental. I enjoy it a lot. So next we get into mechanisms of loneliness. That's the, that's the one of the singles. It may have been first. I don't know, but it's one of the singles. Like, we're closing in on covering all the singles. Um, is one of the singles on, off the album, as I said. It starts with a riff kind of like Selkie's by Between the Buried and Me, which brings me joy. It starts off clean with some arpeggios, and then those are those kind of arpeggios translate, I'm pretty sure it just translates straight into, like, uh, into distortion. And then there's, like, some uh, some sustained notes, some uh, dissonance stuff, and it just just makes for a really big, wide-open feel. And that that theme carries on for about a minute and a half. And, man, it gets super heavy. A couple of minutes in, I forgot that it got, that it gets as heavy as it does. It carries like a three, four rhythm for quite a bit. This, this really is the heaviest song yet on the album. Maybe the heaviest in the album. I mean, it could, I don't know. It could be the heaviest thing they've ever done. I don't know. And it's not even that heavy, but for these guys, it's really heavy. It it surprised me listening back to this one. It really did. But it's 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 a good song. Um Yeah, it's funny how the songs can be really they don't feel that long. Like they don't feel that long and I mean, by all counts they really aren't that long, but like I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it. This is the songs can be like relatively lengthy, but they don't 
feel too long. It's like this song isn't. It's not that long. It's like a. It, it's like six fifty nine. I mean, I guess to some people that's really long, but it doesn't even feel that long. It really doesn't. It's funny how they can kind of pack so much in and it and make it not feel like a slog to listen to. That's that's a great trait. And near the end, uh you get a really emotive sax and guitar solo. They kind of trade off like a few bars Guitar and then some sax back, or I think it's sax and then a few bars of guitar and then you switch back to the sax and uh, it's it's just it's just super fun and then at the end they kind of harmonize on the last little bit. It's it's really it's really fun. Now as far as the singles go. This is at the bottom of the list, maybe. But, I mean, with what else is on the list, how could you blame me? I mean, the rest of the singles are, are freaking incredible. I mean, the rest of the singles are really great. They're great. I, I just can't... Uh, okay. Anyways. So we get Mountains. Mountains is a two-part. It's two different tracks. Part one to ascend. Now, the song sounds treacherous. Almost like like actually climbing a mountain. Now, I love when bands can paint a picture with the music. And, like, really make it... Really make it into... Make it like do the storytelling. It's kind of like how in wrestling, there's a thing called storytelling. Now, some people would be like, "Oh, well, you're telling actual stories in the ring." And it's like, well, yeah, that's storytelling. Like when you know, like if there's like a, a stipulation of somebody's gonna be fired if they lose or whatever, you know, there's gonna be a lot more emotional weight to it. And yeah, that that makes sense, but also storytelling comes from the actual wrestling itself. Like, this guy came into this with a rib injury, so what's going to happen is his opponent is going to work over his ribs the whole time, and is going to create a lot of drama and a lot of moments where the guy where they'll get he'll get him in some kind of like bear hug or something and try to break his ribs, but the guy's not going to waver. He's not going to tap out. And it's gonna it's gonna have you on the edge of your seat. That's that's good wrestling. It's good wrestling. It also makes for good music when you can have like this huge story and you don't have to have lyrics all the time to tell the story. I mean, okay, you need the lyrics. You need the lyrics because that's literally the story. That's the words. But the pictures, the pictures in the book tell a, can tell a very good story. It's kind of like if you watch a musical, like watch Sweeney Todd. It's like a two-hour movie, and it's great. It's amazing. One of my favorite Tim Burton flicks. If you listen to the soundtrack, which is not as long as the movie, you pretty much just saw the movie, but in audiobook format. Because there's not too much in between the songs. But, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That's what they do 
that's what they seem to do very well on this album. They they can tell stories without words in ways. Like I'm not picking up on all of I'm not picking up on really any of the lyrics. But I feel like I'm getting story beats here. I'm seeing things progress. I'm seeing things happen before me. Now, as far as the song goes, it doesn't slow down and it doesn't relent. It only gets kind of melodic at the very end. Like, right at the very end. Then we get into part two, Empathy of Mountains. Now, you have a clean transition into, like, this spacey guitar with clean vocals and, and more sax. The mood is now very somber, and the subtitle seems to be very well represented here. Like, to ascend sounds treacherous and, you know, dangerous, and it's heavy. And then empathy sounds a lot, is a lot lighter and a lot more somber and contemplative. And see, that's, that's what I mean. And then it gets, it gets very jazzy, however. It kind of throws you for a loop. And then there's a nice solo right around halfway. And then things start to pick up and it gets heavier. The progression of the song makes me think of Slice the Cake. In like how they tell stories through their music, like go listen to Odyssey of the West. Odyssey to the West. It's it's a masterclass in musical storytelling and just it's a masterclass in theatrics too. Because their vocalist Gareth, he he he's on another level. He just like is he an actor? Is he an actually trained, classically trained? Learn, learned actor, because holy crap, his his delivery of his lines and the weight, the grandiose that comes with it, the theatricality, just it sucks you in, and it's such a compelling story and a compelling delivery of the story that you can't help but be drawn in, and you have to listen. And then the ending part of the album has, it's not like a soaring section. It's truly, a, it's truly a highlight of the whole album. Like it's a great clean section with clean vocals. Well, clean vocals, not clean guitars. I really wish there were more clean vocals throughout the album, but that's kind of a nitpick, guys. This is a great two-parter. This is a great two-parter. I enjoy it a lot. I, by this point in the album, I'm, I've been having a consistent amount of fun. It's not like the best thing I've ever heard, but man, I, I I, I enjoy, I enjoy this album quite a bit. Now we get into Caught in the Azure Cradle. It's got a real metalcore start to the song. I don't know how else to describe it. It's got like this, uh, just listen to it. It's gonna, it sounds like earlier, not early, early, not like 90s metalcore where it was basically just metallic hardcore, but like 
like er, like earlier melodic metalcore is what it sounds like. You know, like your Killswitch, Bullet, and Treyu, those guys. And like 36 Crazy Fists and It Dies Today and all of those guys. There's some very dissonant riffs lead to more clean vocals. It seems like they saved all the clean vocals for the end of the album, which is to good effect. That's when you really want like the you really want the weight of things to be felt. And this too is a heavy one. It's not quite as heavy as mechanisms. It, it gets pretty intense at the end. And then cuts to the spacey atmosphere. It's almost theremin like. God, I love sci fi metal. And I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't, well, not sci-fi metal, but sci-fi death metal. Death metal has kind of become a bigger thing for me over the year, over the last couple years. But finding actual, like, sci-fi death metal, like, uh, let's see, The Hidden History of the Human Race by Blood Incantation. Blood Incantation in general. Uh, Will's Dissolve in general. I covered both of their previous albums and so I'm pointing at my actual watch like guys hello 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 um it's time it's time for more blood incantation I only got 35 minutes two years ago and I didn't intend on buying it I bootlegged it and then I ended up buying it because it just blew my mind how good Hidden History was like it's just it's unbelievable and I love the package of just like the four, like the four song death metal album that has been a thing here recently, it seems. Like there's quite a few bands I've, I've picked up their, their albums off Bandcamp and it's been like four tracks. One of which is far more lengthy than the others. Like with Hidden Histories, it's like, you know, six minutes, seven minutes, five minutes, and then 18 minutes. And then I also picked up the last album from Sutra, uh, which is Aletheia. Yeah, and oh my god, that's so good. It's really just two songs split into four tracks. The first track, the first song basically being like maybe seven minutes long. And the second one being like 20 minutes long. Cause it's like you've got an interlude, tr you've got like an intro track. And then you've got an actual song. Then you've got like an interlude track. And then you've got the closing song. And it's, it's wild. It's, it's really good, definitely. And then you've got one that I, I was really high on at first. And over time, I've kind of, I, I, it's not that I don't like it. I just have kind of, pedaled back a little bit and not listened to it nearly as much as I did when I first picked it up. It was uh, Visitations of uh, Oh my god, it's Cryptic Shift. The band is called Cryptic Shift. They're like a like a death thrash band, I guess you could say. I don't know. I don't know if you would call them that. But it's that it's that brand of like older school feeling uh death metal that's closer to thrash metal visitations from uncle uh in uncle ah uh, those names man 
that was embarrassing. Anyways, so a lot of other times you end with your longest song. Well, this this album turns it on its head, and it begins with the one the name holds so much power. Moonbelt Emulator, 25 minutes, nearly 26, 2558. And then it's got three other tracks, which are, you know, ranging from almost eight minutes to five and a half. It's, it's, it's wild. It's really good. It's really good. I enjoy it. I enjoy this album a lot, but not as much as I did the first time. The first time I was like, oh, yo, this is nuts, but no, that's, that really compact package that some of these, like, lesser known death metal bands are doing, where it's like just four tracks. I mean, I, I like that. It's pretty, it's pretty, Quick, but I also like when bands make a longer form record where it's like, you know, you know, like 10 to, 10 to 12, maybe 13 tracks. In Mastodon's case, like 15. And, you know, definitely stretching 60 to 70 minutes. And like my big sweet spot is like when I see something that's over 70 minutes, you know, it's, I know already it's going to slap. I mean, Parallax 2. Uh, Colors 2, uh, I know there's another one. Uh, Odyssey to the West is like, mm, it's like 70, 78, 76. I don't, I don't remember how long it is. It's, it's over 70 minutes long and it is nuts. One of Ovid's Withering's albums, I think the first one, I think Scryers of the Ibis was, like 70, 71 minutes long. I mean, you see Tool, um, Lateralis, and uh, Fear Inoculum, both great albums, both over 70 minutes. Fear Inoculum, over 80 minutes in its, like, true form, truest, its final form, if you will. But I digress. I have now completed my bubbly. It tasted kind of flat at the end, and I'm not going to lie, that tasted gross. That tasted like dookie, but it was all right. Overall, it was great. It was a great drink. Now, let's get on to the close of this great album, Anatomy of Us. So you can tell this one's the prog epic with the way it starts off, with some, with more of that slidey, spacey-sounding guitar clean vocals over these, like, it's just got this, like, old, old school prog rock vibe. And it's got a similar cadence to the intro, to uh, Soft Violet Light. But it's got, like, a real old, old school prog feel. And then there's a little bit of piano thrown in, and then about two minutes in, things kind of take off. There's a theatrical, kind of heavy or rather, there's a theatrical kind of feel to the heavy part. Really, the whole song is kind of theatrical. And halfway through, there's kind of something of a refrain, which it took me some time to really realize that that's what that was. And, you know, it does return a couple of minutes later. Now this song, it kind of, this is one of the, this is the song where it really strikes me as like, these guys do do progressive metal, but they, 
They're like a technical death metal band that does progressive death metal. And it's like they... There's a spider like right over here. It's freaking me out. Tiny little guy. He's going down his web. I don't know what he's doing, but it's freaking me out. I don't like spiders. Damn near an arachnophobe. Anyways, but they do, they do progressive metal, just more along the lines of a, of a technical brand of it. This, this song feels like, okay, we're putting on our, like, our Pink Floyd fanboy hats and doing some crazy stuff. And that's great. That's what I want. Now, closer to the end, you get kind of an orche- an orchestral arrangement, kind of breaks things up. Then you get some more, like, super spacey clean vocals. Like, not vocoder, like like Paul Masvidal or something, but like some, it's just really spacey sounding. I don't know how else to really explain it. And then the song kicks into its final chapter. There's a nice solo, a really nice solo that closes the album out before there's like a somber violin. And then I think you hear like some voices or something. I'm not sure what that is. But, man, what an album. It's really great. I I do enjoy it quite a bit. It's an awesome death metal album. One of the best of the year, for sure. To me. It's not quite the sound I usually go for, and it's not my favorite sound, but for all of that, it is incredibly good. Now, from the little bit I've heard of this band, this is an evolution and a step forward. A huge step forward. Like, they're hit, they're headed into some really great territory if they keep this momentum and on their next record, like, build on it or continue the story from this record if there is a continuation that they could make. But, man, man, this is a good, this is a good one. This is a keeper. I, I enjoy it. I definitely recommend this. If I had to give it a rating, I would say, oh, oh don't be like Dave Meltzer. Don't. Don't do weird stuff. Don't 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 do like like a point seven five or something. Just do a flat number because otherwise you start you start rationalizing and getting into weird stuff with it. So I would probably give it a six. Now some people will probably be like, why? Why would it be a six if you liked it that much? Ratings like out of ten, out of five ratings can kind of throw people off. Like. If you give something a three, people are like, oh my god, is it? No, three is, three is good. It's kind of average, but it's good overall. Two is where you need to be like, well, okay, WTF, what are you talking about? Like, if I gave, if I gave it like a four, then you could be like, okay, hold on. You said you liked it. Why did you do this? But to me, if I was giving it a ranking out of ten, six to me says, it's not totally what I'm looking for. And it didn't like, totally blow my mind or woo me but but boy was it good it was really good it i mean it's not just like a consolation prize it deserves something it's just it's really good man like i enjoy this album. oh and the rankings this one this one's a little bit difficult for me i i i like i like the songs it's just harder rank because like i really like my songs, I, when I rank, I, it, it's easier when I have more opinionated 
on them. But here, I'm kind of not as opinionated as I edit my list, like, in the middle of things, kind of. <laughs> okay. Um, that's an Jacked up my, uh, jacked up my own list. Come on. Let's, let's get this done. Let's get this in there. Not do stupid stuff. There we go. There we go. Okay. Okay. So, bottom of the list, soft violet light. It's an intro. I'm sorry. I can't put it any higher. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. It's a great intro. But I can't put it any higher than anything. Cotton the Azure Cradle is awesome. It's an awesome song. I I really didn't re- I really didn't appreciate it as much until last night. It's great. I love it. It's a great song. Very fun. Again, how they throw in all of the clean vocals at the end of the album. Mountains Part One. Hmm. Honestly. I'm gonna swap those two. Real, real time, live and in color. I'm swapping them. Mountain Part One. It, it's, it's nice. It's a nice song. I, I enjoy it. It's just not, it's just not up to snuff to the second part or really much of anything else on the album, including Caught in the Azure Cradle, which, like I said, is great. And I put it above. Up next, Amorosa's Shroud. I enjoy it. It's great. It's a fun song. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's pretty quick. And I feel like it would have overstayed its welcome if it was longer, probably. Not to say it's bad or anything, just too much of a certain thing, you know, will just make it harder to stomach. And Wayfair is next. Great, great, uh, instrument. I enjoy Wayfair a lot. There's not a lot to say about it. Then you get Mountains Part 2, Empathy. Love it. Love it. It's so good. They could have released it as a single, and I'm glad they did. Because it's like, don't release part of a multi-part song. It's just not good. Like, don't do that. Unless you're talking about, like, Catch 33, where, you know, Meshuggah is like, well, we gotta put something out. And they put out Shed, because that's, like, the closest thing on Catch 33 that could stand alone as a sin, as a single song, just one track, I guess. Yeah, single wise, because then also you've got like, in death is death, and that's like 12 minutes long, so that's, uh, automatically out. But yeah, um, then you, then, then we get into the singles, cause I'm sorry, the singles on this thing are great. And like I said, Mechanisms of Loneliness is the lowest of the singles. It's a great, great song, but the other ones just beat it. I, I can't, I can't, there's other parts of other songs that I can't just, I, I can't get them out of my head. As opposed to this one, which is really good. I mean, it's just not as good. It doesn't dig in as deep. So then we get the final track, Anatomy of Us. I I really like it. It's a great closing track. It's a good ending to the album, or a great ending to the album. Just um, I just can't I can't get over those other two. I can't get over on Wings of Providence and just the the chorus and then the ending. I mean, it's just 
they put together a really great, like, seven and a half minute technical progressive death metal song, and you, you can't really do it much better. Except an Orphan City. It's short, it's quick, it's, it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, and it's got a sweet sax solo. Oh. Now the ending, I guess you could say, kind of leaves something to be desired, I guess, in a, va- like, in a vacuum. Uh, by itself. But, with the rest of the album standing there looming over it, it's like, it's, it's a nitpick. But, yeah, my favorite song, An Orphan City. I used to call it The Orphan City, but, yeah, that's, God, see, I told you there's not gonna be that much. I mean, and, ugh, I probably could have done a little bit more research into the band and tried to do some more, uh, I don't know. But, again, it's been a week. It's been two weeks. It's been a couple of weeks, man. It's been, it's been wild. Like, we've barely been home. We've been over at the family's house and, you know, just, man, it's tough. Like, I wanted to record, but we were over there Friday and Saturday. And then yesterday we came home, or yesterday, yes, er, yesterday we came home Saturday. We were there, we were there Thursday and Friday. Yeah, because I went to work from their house. We were there Thursday, and then Friday was Memorial. We came back over there, and then we left on Saturday, finally came back to our house, and now we're here, and we're kind of trying to get back in our groove, which is not easy, because, I mean, you know, things don't just stop, so, you know, we're just trying to get stuff back together, and that includes this podcast, but, uh, unlike last time when I said, you know, we'll just play it by ear because things are weird around here, I'm not pushing this back, I'm not making it go anywhere, I don't want to, this is a going concern, and it should continue to be a going concern in your mind, because next week, I'm going to be looking at Wallflowers by Ginger, and by next week, I mean at the end of this week, because it is now Monday. Like 13 minutes into Monday. And let me look at my editing sheet. Let me look at my editing sheet. What the It's like, oh my God. I could do that right now. Well, yeah, I guess the episode is going to come out today. So, yeah, that's where we at, guys. Where we at? Hour and 20 minutes? probably going to be like an hour and 18 by the time I'm done with this. It might not. It might still be like an hour and 19. Anyways, if you enjoy Zero Distortion, the show, what I do, well, thank you, first of all, for your support and patronage. And uh, speaking of patronage, you can subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash x3r0distortion. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and if you if you're so inclined, TikTok, where I do literally nothing, at x3r0, dot, uh, at x3r0 distortion. And you can also support on Anchor. I think that's just anchor.com, anchor.fm slash x3r0 distortion. It might just be slash zero distortion. I don't. I don't remember. I haven't really been plugging that. I might turn that off because it just seems like an extra thing to put in here that would confuse people. Like, I don't get it. Like, why would I 
can I like I'll probably just keep it to the Patreon because that's just simplest. But hey, nobody's subscribed to the Patreon, and that's cool because I'm not doing this for money. I'm literally just you know it's an outlet. It's fun to talk, and apparently somebody out there is listening. Hi guys, hello. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at Friday. I'm hoping that this week I can find time to sit down and listen more to Wallflowers, take notes, and hopefully nothing weird happens this week. And if nothing weird happens, we're going to get back on track and Friday it's going to be out. Otherwise, look for like Sunday, Monday. But I'm not going to hold myself to that yet. So, yeah, let's just... uh. I'm not going to say the dreaded phrase because that that just gives me goosebumps when it comes to this podcast. So that's it, guys. Until next time, we're going to do it again very soon.